America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Saturday morning of radio extravaganza here. You are welcome. Your calls are welcome. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-WABC. Hour one, Derek Hunter will be with us. Hour two and three, you and me. And I read, I was reading the Daily Mail this morning. I read the Daily BS first, my own website, see if we've updated anything. The Daily Mail, I read, and at the Daily Mail, I got through reading it, and it's like, I need a shower. Badly. This is, it was story after story of depravity followed by more depravity followed by more depravity. There are days when you wonder where is society, where has it, not where is it headed, where is it? What happened? to human beings, the human race. A lot of of the annihilators that are out here, and and maybe we'll talk about that later. Some of the stuff, yep, some of the stuff, thank you, some of the stuff I don't even want to talk about. Joe Biden bizarrely ends Connecticut's speech with God save the queen is one of the stories. He, and and I, I saw the headline I saw the headline yesterday, and I didn't read the story. I'm like, eh, whatever. And then today I just, because it's still there. President Biden caused an uproar of confusion Friday after closing his remarks at a Connecticut summit on gun control reform. He closed the speech. He also, during the speech, uttered another iconic line once used toward a student. Is that the truth? Now, do not make a lie. Don't make me a dog-faced lying pony soldier. What the hell? Okay. But the last part of his speech, to the confusion, it says, of observers, he concluded... The speech, you know, the speech, the, the part of the speech where the president usually tells you, well, you know, God bless America or something other. or He ends his speech, he says, all right, God save the queen. And he looks around and he tries to figure out where to go off stage. Bizarre. Bizarre. 
it's like, they, and people are trying to figure out, was this intentional? Is this another sign of the incapacitation of this president? Okay, Derek is with us. Derek Hunter, welcome, my friend. I, Derek. God save the queen, James. God save the queen. Maybe, maybe the president of the United States is a big Sex Pistols fan. We don't know. The queen is dead. I know. It's God he, save the king now, doesn't he? I understand that. But you, you've got to realize that Joe Biden not only is somebody completely and thoroughly marinated in grandpa humor, He's also wildly stupid. So you put those, and senile, you put those things together and you come up with a bouillabaisse of just uh, confusion. And if you go down that rabbit hole, there, no good can come from it. So you just go, okay, whatever. All right, Derek, and, and uh, okay, I, I guess that's as good as explanation as any. I, it, it is bizarre. It is. And then there are shots today, I, I wasn't even going to get into this. He had this actress. What's her name, Eva? What's her name? Eva Longoria. Eva Longropia. It might as well be with Joe. Did I see that video correctly? Did he grab her? um, He got some side boob out of the deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. He did. (laughs) This is Joe Biden. This is who. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when somebody does exactly what they've done throughout their entire career. Like, how can you be shocked by that? You just can't he, be. Th- this is in front of cameras, in front of everyone. No. He grabs a woman and he grabs her. He he gropes her boob in public. Yeah. And she, oh. she, Miss Social Activist, Miss Left Wing, hasn't met a left wing cause. She She wouldn't. You know, sacrifice everything for just casually, and you can see it. If you recognize, she moves, she gets his hands off of her. She does right. She she and she immediately she'll be on the team. She'll be at the next Biden fundraiser they asked her to attend. She won't go on Entertainment Tonight or meet the press or Rachel Maddow and say this is ridiculous and I felt violated. She'll let it slide because she's on the team. It's a small sacrifice to make for the cause, James. Let's talk about the cause, Derek. This was perhaps one of the most historically interesting weeks in American history. A president of the United States, former president of the United States, uh, was arrested and indicted Mm -hmm. by the Department of Justice and... I guess a few days away from it, we all, at least it doesn't, I don't know whether this still registers as being historically as significant as it is. What was your take watching events of last Tuesday? There's a little bit of disbelief, um, but sadly, it was all too believable. It wasn't as though things were normal before that, and then that happened. So we'd been down this, we're almost to the end of the slide, it seems, or at least we're further down the slide than uh, to be shocked by something like that. But it was disturbing. It was a clown show. There was no no cameras in there, no nothing, no footage of Trump, nothing like that. 
but it was wall-to-wall coverage of the clown show out on the street, the protesters on both sides, the reporters trying to fill the time. There's nothing worse in the world, and there's nothing worse for our country than media organizations covering an event where they have no information about it because then yeah. they just fill it with wild speculation. And that's all it was. But it happened. Oh, it did happen, yes. And these 37 charges are going to each one have to be defended. Yeah. Now, during the week, I talked to uh, Michael Bakesha, who argued and lost the Clinton Sox draw case. Mm-hmm. And he said, under the Presidential Records Act, this case should have never been brought. That the president has absolute discretion yeah. on any document he chooses to take with him, whether it's classified, because I specifically asked about classified documents, because when President Trump raised this at Bedminster when, after uh, his speech, and that was a fiery speech, which, of course, was not covered by the mainstream press mm-hmm. and was not it was barely reported on by the mainstream press. He went to lay out his defense at length and and tell everyone, look, under this case, the Clinton Sox drug case, he had full authority to take whatever records he wanted to take, period. So... I had, uh, Mr. Bashaka had, had written a piece in the Wall Street Journal that began by saying this case should have never been brought. And here's why. And he, he outlined the case that had been decided federally. Mm. And the president, according to this case, has every right to choose what documents he takes with him at the end of the presidency, including classified material. And he has sole authority over that under the broad powers vested him by the Constitution. That uh, that doesn't seem to be making its... And by the way, this 37-count indictment doesn't even mention the Presidential Records Act, which I found a little strange. As in most of these cases, the indictment is enough. Remember, it, Rush used to talk about it's the seriousness of the charge, not necessarily that you right. can prove it, but it's the seriousness of the charge. They try to, Democrats have one playbook, and they go back to it every single time. They're trying to taint Trump with the charges. The charges up in New York are even weaker sauce than this. So, they are sitting around hoping that the seriousness of the charge does the damage because they don't think they have much of a case. In this case, I'd like to think that if the president can find some attorneys to take this case, which is another bizarre thing and another testament to how the left is uh, trying to subvert and pervert justice, but uh, they would be moving to dismiss this one more quickly. This isn't as obvious. To don't most don't people. skirt. Don't do not skirt. Do not skirt over that point, Derek. I want you to please take a minute with this point, because you just said if the president can find attorneys. We I've seen the stories this week. You obviously have too. Mm-hmm. That the president is actually having problems. President Trump trying to find attorneys to take this case on. Now, what do you think so is you behind that? You have to have that? local attorney. I believe the Florida law requires a Florida attorney, so that limits the pool a little bit. 
but he's interviewed and you you want these are serious charges whether or not you think they're ridiculous they're serious charges you want serious legal minds on them and you uh, so he's interviewed attorneys and apparently according to published reports a lot of them all of them to this point since he doesn't have one that he's at least tried to hire have turned him down for fear of retribution from the democratic establishment which tells you just how powerful and dangerous the democratic establishment is in a state they don't even control right democrats don't have any power right. in the state of florida but they fear retribution because one day they'll they make a list they check it twice they're like the evil santa claus and they will remember forever and the revenge is a dish best served cold leftists you mentioned ronald reagan to a leftist and they still get physically angry about it like reagan's been gone for 20 years but they still, and out of office for 40, but they still will get physically angry over him. So um, there are a lot of people who are hesitant, apparently, to take this case. And uh, that that helps Democrats because they want this case to stick around as long as possible. And if you get a good attorney, I mean, maybe an Alan Dershowitz could... Uh, I don't know how if you have to pass the bar in the state of Florida or if there's reciprocity. If you're if you're a member of the bar in one state, you can join in another. But he needs a good attorney to come down and really fight to try and get this case dismissed. The longer this case lingers out there, the more damage it will do to people who don't pay attention to the news. That seems to be the plan. And so they're prolonging the damage that can be done because i don't think he's going to be convicted I, don't, I mean maybe he'll be convicted by a jury of democrats or something but overturned on appeal what have you because the case does seem pretty weak given the fact that he has this absolute authority to the presidential records act so they need to prolong the exposure of just this phase of it to put the stink of twice indicted multiple counts former president, corrupt, 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 because if you deal with Democrats and you talk to them, they're no longer interested in debate, James. They can't do it. They they have been, lived in an echo chamber where it's just them talking to them and it's one-upsmanship rather than rebuttal to the point that they don't have the skill anymore. So they just say, Donald Trump is corrupt. Of course, Donald Trump is corrupt. And if you ask them, you confuse them with a, a wild, out-of-left-field question like, how is he corrupt? They don't know. Right. You can't answer it. It's just, well, right. it's so obvious. So they right. just need that to sink into people without any backup or exploration. Lord knows the, the media isn't going to do any of that. And so that the stench follows him out. If you've ever been near, if you've ever been in a, a kitchen cooking seriously garlic Italian food, and then you go out of that kitchen, you kind of, you have that smell of garlic. That's what they want. They want that, that stink to stay with them. Mm. James Golden Sterling here. It is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-WABC. Coming back. A lot more to discuss. There are other things in the news. And we're going to get to them. Just stay right with us here on WABC. Coming right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. <laughs> now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Fifteen consecutive weeks. Tapestry was the number one album in America. Carol King, New York's Carol King. And what an album. It's too late. This song, I Feel the Earth Move. Will You Love Me Tomorrow? You've Got a Friend. Singer, songwriter, Carol King. A legend. And this was her legendary release. Derek Hunter is with me. Derek, there is a uh, there's an article in the in Roll Call. Anybody read Roll Call anymore besides me? No. <laughs> okay, thank you. But there, there, there's an article in you Roll Call. This no, they don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's an article in Roll Call op-ed how inmate Trump could become President Trump and pardon himself. His support will grow, not get weaker. But the article set starts off this way, the op-ed. The date is January 20th, 2025, Inauguration Day in Washington. But the president-elect is hundreds of miles away behind bars. In this fictional but possible reality, Donald Trump, after being found guilty over his mishandling of classified documents and lying to federal officials, has been serving time at a federal penitentiary in Kansas. He carried the state by 15 points, just as he did in 2020. But just before noon, a small media pool is screened and escorted into U.S. Prison Leavenworth, a medium security facility, after being allowed by the warden to ditch his orange prisoner jumpsuit. The pool cameras captured Trump in his signature blue shirt, a uh, blue suit, white shirt, and bright red necktie. At noon Eastern time, inmate Trump approaches a federal judge to be named later and son Eric Trump holding a family Bible. Three hours earlier, defeated President Joe Biden and First Lady Joe Biden had tearfully said goodbye at the White House to their White House aides before taking their final journeys on Marine One and then the smaller version of Air Force One for the short hop to their private residence in Wilmington, Wilmington, Delaware. A defiant Trump triumphantly takes the oath of office and becomes the 47th President of the United States. He makes his way to a small table nearby with the presidential seal affixed. An aide hands him a document. The new president, the second in history, to serve non-sequential terms, signs it, pardoning himself. 
Minutes later, flanked by a small army of Secret Service agents and local law enforcement officers, Trump walks out of the prison and boards the beast. The heavily armored Cadillac limousine and other vehicles and one of the largest presidential motorcades ever seen speeds away. Destination, Kansas City International Airport, 20 miles away, where the larger and more recognizable version of Air Force One is waiting to ferry him to Joint Base Andrews outside Washington. Marine One then returns him to the South Lawn, where he begins his second term with 37 minutes of chopper talk with waiting reporters after exiting the executive helicopter before entering the Oval Office for the first time in four years. Now, legal experts say this is a possibility. This could actually be the way this plays out. <laughs> I tell you what will be more interesting, if you're really looking for some fan fiction there, what if he's convicted on state charges and imprisoned on state charges where he doesn't have the authority to pardon himself? Whoa. Yeah, what do you do with that one? He governs from the uh, from the state... The state pit, apparently, although I would imagine any governor would be under enormous pressure to go, all right, you can go. I'm not saying that's likely to happen because the state charges are even weaker, but I'm just saying. He wouldn't be the first, if he were convicted and imprisoned, he wouldn't be the first presidential candidate to run to for office from prison. Eugene Debs ran for president from prison in... Uh, 1920 or 1924, I forget which. But he ran as a socialist. But and then there when, was that kook. Remember that Lyndon LaRouche, the the, uh, the kook guy? <laughs> Did Lyndon LaRouche ever go to jail? Lyndon LaRouche was just a perma candidate, even when he was clinically dead, I think. He was missing. You'd, you'd walk around D.C. and always by the universities, you'd get off the metro there, and there'd be a table set up with the LaRouches. It was like a cult. And you realized, oh, he... He made a career, he made a business out of running for president because of federal matching funds and everything. I guess it beat working for a living. But he was crazy, crazy. But, yeah, he was a perma candidate. I don't I don't know if he ever got on the ballot. He always ran as a Democrat and never made any headway, and I don't think he ever got enough signatures to get on the ballot, per se. But somehow he managed to avoid working for a living by running for president. If this scenario were to play out, there would be so many things that would would just. Number one, I think the American society would be almost at a a breaking point if yeah. he were convicted and actually ever put in a federal penitentiary. I mean, yeah. this the but then if you had this scenario play out, then he's elected and pardons himself, the left would go they these they'd lose their minds. They're collective minds, such as they are. Yeah, don't pluralize it. They're collective mind. They don't. Right. One, the collective does not have individuality. No, they would, and uh, they true. would immediately start running for Congress. Say, we will impeach him. It would be a a nonstop cycle of stupidity. They will have learned nothing because 
it still works. You know, it, it, their their tactics, you look at them as a rational person, you go, this is insane. They wouldn't do them if they didn't work. There's almost mm. a majority in the House. There is a majority of Democrats in the Senate. It works. We right. as conservatives have to do a better job in educating the public on what it is that they're doing on what it is they want to do and what it, there's a huge discrepancy between what they say, what they campaign on and what they actually prioritize legislatively. And there isn't a single Democrat saying, I will run to protect the right of boys to play in girls sports. I will run to make sure that we can sterilize the next generation or a good chunk of the next generation. They don't run on that. They just do Derek, it. we have a call that just came in that I want to take because it's actually an interesting question, and I don't know the answer to it. And maybe you do, or maybe you want, maybe you'd like to, uh, maybe you'd like to take a guess at the answer. Let's go to Ray in Cold Spring. Ray, welcome you on WABC. Derek Hunter is here with us. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. What's this? What is your question, Ray? Joe, it's, uh, Bo, it's my pleasure to talk to you guys. Well, my question is, let's say President Trump or any other president ever got convicted while they were out of office and they were in prison. Aren't they still um, to be provided Secret Service protection? Yes. How would that work in prison? The the federal government, the federal laws regarding protection of the uh, former president supersedes anything. They couldn't stop, I suppose, theoretically, of putting the president into a prison. But the Secret Service would be able to operate freely in there in whatever manner. They, it, is, it is unlawful for anybody to interfere with the protection of somebody under Secret Service protection. So they, the governor could say, you can't come in. The warden could say, you can't come in. They, they can't stop them. I mean, they could physically stop them. They'd be arrested. The Secret Service would theoretically have to do eight-hour or 12-hour shifts. I don't know how long their shifts are. In prison with them. Nixon is the only one who ever gave up, I believe. his. He hired private security, but he gave up his Secret Service detail. The Secret Service is obligated legally, federal law, which supersedes state law, even state criminal law, to protect the president however they determine it needs to be done. So you would not be able to interfere with that. It'd probably be a pretty boring job to be a Secret Service member on the detail protecting a former president in prison. But you'd, you'd have it, and that's your duty. That's They would be allowed wow. to do it. I mean, this, the whole thing just sounds so surreal. It does. Uh, Ray, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I can't when imagine. Come... <laughs> look, if they convict Donald Trump on all 37 counts, let's say they get a speedy trial and in three months the jury find him guilty on everything. I see a, a scenario where Democrats chomping at the but they got what they wanted. They got their conviction. Joe Biden, in a moment of magnanimity, offers a pardon. Trump wouldn't want it. You can't reject it. But it's it's there. Donald Trump isn't going to prison. They they don't want Donald Trump in the White House. They recognize the look. Joe Biden is accused of all sorts of things. He could easily end up in prison for the rest of his life if if somebody bothered to look into it. Right now, nobody in power wants to look into it. But someday, maybe, especially if they play this game. So I think it is 
if you get a conviction, you immediately pardon, saying, I'm going to spare the country. It's a Gerald Ford moment. I'm going to spare the country the hardship, blah, blah, blah. Sign the pardon. Derek, Derek, the Democrat Party would would have a revolt. No, Joe it Biden neuters ever, the appeal. They and would, we, they would you revolt. You can't be exonerated on appeal, James, if you're pardoned. You can't be exonerated but, on appeal. When you get away from a jury, especially in a place like the, the case in New York, you get that away from a jury of Democrats, and you put it before judges who are more interested in the law than settling political scores, which, granted, is a tough call, um, then you end up with a situation where you say, all right, we're going to pardon them. Because if, if you, a, a judge, especially higher up federal courts, are going to go, this is a ridiculous thing. You change the statute of limitations. But if you pardon him, if Kathy Hochul pardons Trump, then he never has a chance to get that exoneration. That's true. I understand that. I'm just saying politically. You saw what happened to Gerald Ford. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Before that I want to continue this discussion for a minute. But I also want to talk about what happened at Dodger Stadium last night. Carol King on WABC. Derek Hunter is with us for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Your calls welcome. 800-848-WABC. The stylistics did an amazing version of this, a cover of this. Tapestry. I can see the album cover right now. Everybody had this album. This was like one of the must-haves. The Tapestry album by Carole King, 1971. And Nick, if we have the stylistic version of this, I don't know whether we do or not. If we do... Let's play it. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. Don't go away. It's our Saturday mornings. Radio Extravaganza. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Nineteen forty-six, American songwriter, singer Barry Allen Pinkus. Oh, you, Barry Allen Pinkus, doesn't ring a bell. Barry Manilow. Was born Barry Manilow's birthday today. Happy birthday to Barry Manilow. Derek Hunter is uh, with us. Derek, I know you have your Barry Manilow nights at the house, don't you? Music and passion are always in passion at the Hunter household as well, James. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, okay, you just the scenario that you laid out, though. I, I I'm gonna take. I got to push back on that. 
They all know what happened to Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford magnanimously says, okay, I'm in now. By the way, Richard Nixon, you get a pardon. The anger from that just and, – and, and the anger was also from many people on the Republican side who – Right, had come to hate Nixon just as much as some of the Democrats. There were a lot of people on the Republican side who were angry with Nixon, who saw thought Nixon was corrupt and wanted to see him brought to justice or whatever you want to call it. Nixon wasn't corrupt. And Gerald Ford, the anger was directed toward Republicans. Wasn't corrupt. Don't. I mean, Nixon. The stuff that Nixon did was so small fry. Democrats did what they're very good at. They took right. a misbehaving Republican and painted them as all Republicans. Republicans did this. Republic, even though it was uh, Gold, Barry Goldwater who went up to the White House and told Nixon, "Like you got to resign, dude, because you're going to get convicted in the Senate. It's 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 over, and you don't you want to avoid that." Uh, but it it didn't matter. There wasn't like a good moment of unity where everybody got together and said, you know, put party aside. This was a Nixon thing. No, Democrats were saying this was Republican corruption, Republican corruption, because they wanted to win. And it was working. And Gerald Ford, for if you just take Gerald Ford at his word, it would have torn the country apart. So they said, I'll pardon him just to get this off the table. Well, Democrats were mad because... They wanted to get Nixon, and Republicans were mad because they wanted to be separated from Nixon. It ended it all, but it was cross-party. Biden pardoning Trump in my hypothetical situation gives Democrats the chance to run around and go, oh, we're so magnanimous, we're so wonderful. We're going to but spare. They're not, but we're they, going they, to they don't want to be magnanimous. No, These they don't want haters. to. The, the base doesn't want haters. to be, but they get to claim that they are. And it robs if, Trump of if, a chance of being able to exonerate himself. They want the Derek, conviction. If, they want if, to think the Democratic drone isn't going to argue with the queen bee. They just don't do that. That's not how they are. They, they would argue with this orders. because they, more than anything else, they hate, 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 hate Donald Trump with a hate that we cannot, that is not right, rational. Right, but that hate is, is only and, and so in existence hate, and only they, been inspired as a motivating factor for their voters. It's to distract from all the stuff that they're doing that's causing, you know, you go to the grocery store and you can't get out of there for less than 60 bucks, no matter what you go in there for. They're trying to distract from the fact that it costs twice as much to fill up your car. So they have that hate of Donald Trump. The hate of Donald Trump does not end. You can still if hate you Donald rob Trump. these people of a chance to see Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit, if it came down to that, they would never forgive Biden for depriving them of that. They don't care the political ramifications. They don't care about splitting the country. They, if they cared about splitting the country, they wouldn't even be doing this. Obviously, I they think, don't care. I think the MSNBCs of the world might not like it. It might be a very bitter pill to swallow, but they will swallow it. They know Ugh. what they need to do. It is agenda uberalis, James. The individuals involved agenda don't uberalis. matter. I love it. It's you said have a in way German. With words. It's said in German for a reason. <laughs> it is agenda uberalis. The person achieving it doesn't matter. They're interchangeable. It's ever forward. It is push forward nonstop. And so if you have to do this, this gets them further down the road. You pardon Donald Trump. And then you get to say Donald Trump was never exonerated. Donald Trump will never have the chance to exonerate himself. And he is forever a convicted felon, even though the 
technically the pardon wipes that clean. And it's a victory for the Democrats without the violence and the inspiration. There will be a lot of Republican voters and a lot of independent voters going, this is ridiculous if you throw Trump in prison. And it might counteract the number of Democrats wildly aroused at the prospect. So you avoid that. You neuter that. And you, you I don't still think it's get ever gonna... the, the ability to say, he's a convicted, he was convicted, a jury of his peers, he is guilty of this, we let him go out of decency. But don't put this man in the White House, et cetera, et cetera. If there was I, any I, decency, he wouldn't, this would never be happening. Look, it let me turn. Any, you don't take what they say at face value. They use words I never and do. Weapons. I mean, so they're that not decency. decent people. And, not, and they would never act decently. Let me, like, let's change Their tolerance has nothing to do with tolerance, James. It's of course not. not. Tolerance. tolerance is, like, you do you, I'll do me, leave it. Great, I'm going to let you exist, you leave me exist. It's, it, it, tolerance is now you better damn well celebrate. You better be out there waving a, a multicolored vomit flag at this parade because it looks like somebody ate a 64 crayon box of Crayola and then threw it up. And you got to celebrate that. If you don't have that on your car or your house, it's a problem. You're a hate monger. It, that's not tolerance. That is obedience. All right. Did you have you seen the pictures from the Dodger game last night? I saw a bunch of seats. thousands, thousands gather outside Dodger Stadium to protest teams' godless support of LGBTQ nuns. This they're not nuns. And this is they're an, not nuns. They're, they're they're not. I I'm just saying this I is know. the Daily Mail headline. I know. Okay, okay. The Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team facing a Bud Light-style boycott after inviting a controversial LGBTQ group of drag queen nuns to a Pride Night ceremony. Now, to me, this is just embarrassing. Yeah. So they they first say, okay, we're doing it, and then Marco Rubio and others say, what are you doing? You're denigrating the Catholic Church. You are, this is blasphemy. This is horrific. The Dodgers say, you know, you're right. Maybe we won't do it. And then the LGBTQTIA plus people say, you better do it or else. And so the Dodgers say, oh, you know, you're right. So we'll do it. We'll go ahead and we'll honor them. And so now you have these drag nuns show up at Dodger Stadium last night. But as you point out, Derek Hunter, the stadium was damn near empty. Yeah. There's nobody in the stadium when they give them their honor for community work, which to me is an embarrassment. Why would you do this? Why would you first uh, say you're going to honor them, then say, no, you're dishonored. Now you're back to being honored. Okay, here's the honor. We're going to give you an award with nobody watching. And outside, though, oh, outside, there were more people outside Dodger Stadium protesting this insane move by the Los Angeles Dodgers than there were inside. And I'm going to point something out here that you probably will not hear pointed out on many of the mainstream media. If you look at the pictures of those that are protesting, it is diversity on parade. (laughs) It is a diverse crowd of so many brown and black faces holding signs in Spanish and in English, Padre, 
So God told Jesus under God, they everything. It is what they always claim to want, a true diversity. But these are a diverse crowd of religious people standing up and saying, this is sacrilege, how dare you? And they blocked off, apparently, um, I'm trying to understand whether they really did block off the entrances so people couldn't get in, or whether the crowd was just so massive that people didn't want to try to get through it, or no one just wanted to show up to see the the, the ceremony for the LGBTQIA nuns. <laughs> Look, there, there's the pendulum swings one way, and then the pendulum swings back the other way. I don't think that's what we're seeing right now, James. I think we're seeing a recoil. This is recoil. It's different. It is, you know, you're trying to get a kid to eat vegetables kind of recoil. It's like enough already, all right? I had one spoonful of peas. That's enough. And now you've got to eat all of them. It isn't enough that you just say, whatever, do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. It is your expected, required to applaud it, to cheer it, to be a part of it, to celebrate it, to wave the flag, to cheer the, the grinding. A normal person looks at a, like, I don't care. I remember when drag queens were just dudes in dresses who like made exaggerated hair and makeup and body parts to be absurd. It was, it was performance art. It wasn't a lifestyle. And now it's, we're supposed to go, well, that's, that's a mighty fine woman standing next to me hiking up her skirt at the urinal. And you, you have to play along with it. You have to accept it. I don't care. You want to be delusional and argue with a lamppost, go right ahead. But if you're going to make me take your side against the lamppost, I have a problem with it. You know, the lamppost didn't swing first. And we're seeing a recoil from that. Americans are very tolerant people. As long as you whatever, do whatever you want to do, do it in the privacy of your own home with adults who are willing. You take that outside and then you add an assault on religion. And this group exists only to assault religion. I know that they're always billed as they've been doing charitable work forever. So what if the Klan decides to open up a soup kitchen? Suddenly they're the magnanimous group. They've been doing, they got a real bad history, but they have also provided a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches to people. No. You look at the main focus of what they do. They exist. The persisters of perpetual indulgence exist to be a thorn in the side of Catholicism. They don't like Catholicism. You don't have to like Catholicism. But if you openly mock Catholicism, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who don't like that. Imagine if you openly mocked the Alphabet Mafia over there. The oh, you would never happen. In the same way that they're mocking the Catholic Church. It would be a hate crime. Gavin Newsom would, it would helicopter be. in the SWAT team. You'd be arrested by noon. That's we have standard. to take a break. We have to take a break. Derek Hunter is with us. I love that. You're absolutely right, Derek. Barry Manilow takes us. We're going to come back in shortly. Your calls, 800-848-WABC. Don't go away.
the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power. Kendrick Lamar, birthday today, born in 1987. Derek, what were you doing in 1987? Nothing good. Nothing good. <laughs> Statute of limitations might not have run, so I'd prefer not to talk about my childhood. <laughs> Enough. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you. Enough. Th- th- thank you, Nick. Yeah. I got, I got, I got, I got. I'm, I'm not going to comment. On, uh, no. You just did. It. You Look, it, just say it's crap. You can go ahead and say it. Come on, we can't say the young people's music is crap. It's we sound like look. If I like sit old down people with a bowl of edibles and a, a program on my laptop and make the same thing, it's crap. <laughs> Let's just be honest. There's no need for a guitar. You don't even. There's somebody else played guitar already. I like that. I'll just take that and repurpose it, and then. We'll just make a whole bunch of convulsing beats, and we'll. Now, I don't mean to sound all get off my lawny. If it's if there's good music that's made today, I don't dislike it. But I am a lyric person. I like a clever lyric more than I really. Well, care didn't you hear his clever lyrics? I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. He may have a speech impediment. James. Very he's clever. He's a hate crime. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But, I mean, didn't you hear the clever lyrics there? No, I did. I, I got something in my DNA. Play it again. I want to hear what he's actually he, saying. Now I, that I used my, uh, my vows. I used his lyrics as my vows in our wedding. It was uh, <laughs> okay, just to behold. If... <laughs> you know, one of those special moments where you really try to find the right word. I got power, poison, pain inside my DNA. Okay. I was born like this. Where have we heard that before? To perform like this. Lady Gaga. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. Okay, that's very clever. Thank you again for that. I don't know. Shout out to Disney. Trying to get some of that Disney money. <laughs> oh boy! No, okay. I know Shakespeare is modern day. Yeah, I got, I got, I got. Um, uh, the according to, <laughs> to the Hill, uh, the GOP and Grassley are digging for dirt on Biden amid the Trump indictment furor. I love how you, um, it's always couches are digging for dirt. They're digging for. They're investigating the journalists used to do that. Remember that when there was an allegation? Yes. Right now, there's yes. a prime opportunity. Now, there would be piles of awards and fames if Joe Biden were a Republican, just sitting there waiting for the person who f- discovered how the bank transfers worked from overseas into Biden's personal coffers. Right? But they're not interested at all whatsoever. They don't even. Now, if, if you wanted those awards and the fame and fortune, you could do it and go, you know what? I'm going to disprove these Republican theories. I'm going to show you that Joe Biden is not, in fact, the big guy. I will do that. You would be showered with awards that nobody's even bothering to do that. The New York Times has not set 
uh, anybody on this beat tells you something. It does. And I love this idea amid the Trump indictment. Oh, the G. So it's just almost no one was ever looking at Biden until the Trump indictment. Mm. And all of a sudden, Chuck Grassley and the GOP say, oh, you know what? Let's go try to find some dirt on Joe Biden. I mean, what kind of crap is this? I got, I got, you I got. You watch the press this briefing. Is... We've got emails from Hunter's business partner saying he's the big guy. Now we've got the Washington Times, Susan Ferriccio, a very serious reporter, confirming that Joe Biden was referred to as the big guy in the FBI form that um, alleges the $10 million bribe. And there's been one person, a guy from the New York Post, who's bothered to ask about this at all. During the daily press briefing, there have been more questions about the transvestite who took their top off at the White House, which there should be question about. But there have been more questions about that than the Biden corruption scandal in the two and a half years the guy's been in the White House. They have the confidence of knowing that no matter what the allegation is, no matter what the proof of the allegation is, they're not going to be asked about it. They're not. And if they, if somebody from Fox or the New York Post does ask one question, basically the very historic Corinne Jean-Pierre says, I don't have any pages about that in my binder, so I can't talk about it, and then moves on. And there will be no zero follow-up. Zero follow-up. That's you know, amazing. Derek, Even I wish. Even on slow news days, they don't bother to go down this hole. I wish you would just write a freaking book. You are such a great writer. I wish you would write a book about the collapse of journalism. I'm serious, Derek. Because, and I know it would be so, it's, it's just so much to choose from. But the entire episode, with the way that the press has ignored everything with Joe Biden, including the days when they came out, when Congress comes out and says, hey, we found 20 shell companies, and they're linked to Joe Biden, and you can't find it anywhere in the American press. When you come up with these things, I mean, Derek, it's some... 20 shell companies, and what's the most amazing part of that is there isn't a single human being on the face of the earth that can tell you what these companies do. What are they, what are right. they good do they provide? What service do they provide? What good do they produce? Is there anything that they do? There. I don't know. Maybe they're the they've cornered the market in widget manufacturing. But you would think that again, it comes down to if there were a simple explanation. Hey, we make cell phone cases. Joe Biden would come out and say, "Look at this. Here's one of our cell phone cases in one of my LLCs," and immediately torpedo the whole thing. They don't because they can't. And they can't because it's just that a shell corporation designed to be like a three-card Monty or a find the pea under the walnut shell that you'd find in Times Square at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's just to distract. It's just to make sure that following the money is more difficult, almost impossible. And it, when it Derek Hunter, where can people find you? Impossible. Tell us where you, we can find you, Derek Hunter, please. Uh, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, or you just search Derek Hunter Podcast, and you go to townhall.com four days a week. You can do that so fast. Patreon.com. Patreon.com, correct? Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, because everybody has a Patreon page. And your and your Patreon podcast is more popular than Harry and Megan's. That's not which That's not that tough. It's not that tough. They, they just got the boot from Spotify, so I saw it and they got called grifters. All they had to do was next to nothing and they couldn't do it.
next to nothing. I'm exceedingly good at doing next to nothing. Somebody should pay me. I agree with that. I would Derek Hunter, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Derek. James Thank Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. Your call's coming up. More stories on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. So keep it right here on WABC. Next hour is going to be a rough one for some of you. I'm just warning you in advance. It's going to be a rough hour. We'll be back. On 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. All right, and here we are. Yes, y'all, thank you very much. <laughs> this is going to be a rough hour. I got some stories here that I am. I have been on the fence. Do I do this one or not? But I, there's, yes, I'm going to do them. Some of them are not, you know, rough, but a few of them may be. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800 848-WABC on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Thank you, Derek Hunter. Always a pleasure to get Derek has a way with words like nobody else. You know, I compare, I love people that have a way with words. Rush had a way with words. Derek, for those of you that don't know, was the very last new guest host that we introduced on the Rush Limbaugh program shortly before Rush passed away. And one of the reasons was because Derek has just an amazing, amazing way with words. He is an original thinker, and that's why I love to speak with him and get his take. And he has an amazing history in terms of understanding America's political scenes. So, let's get to it, shall we? Now, Avery, this question is, uh, this, this story is... I think one that you would probably have good insight on. It comes from, uh, it, where was it? It was on Fox News earlier this week. Man slammed for his sexist as hell request of his girlfriend when she meets his family for the very first time. Okay, so the guy goes on Reddit. I don't use Reddit. Do you, Nick, do you go on, you, you go on, you go on Reddit. You, you, you use Reddit. What Reddit, is Reddit? Reddit is pretty good. Right now it's going through a little bit of a crisis because they're um, they're doing a ban on third-party apps. The Reddit app isn't that great. It's mostly used online. But it's really just a, it's a collection of forums that are really hyper-specific and tailor-made. So let's say you like the Supremes. You go on r slash the Supremes, and you have all these people talking about the Supremes and Diana Ross and their favorite songs, their favorite concerts, sharing footage. It's usually a very – it's usually they try to keep a positive environment, but – it's also a uh, place where know-it-alls like to gather. Okay. Yeah. Avery, do you use Reddit? Do you go on Reddit at all? Because this, yeah, I don't use Reddit. I, don't, I guess I'm going to have to go on Reddit. Avery, do you use, uh, is, is Avery, what's up with Avery? I can't hear him at all. Can you hear me? I hit finally. Yeah. All right, bro. Do you use Reddit? Yeah. Sometimes, um, if you're searching, and uh, like a, a couple of the results will be in a Reddit forum. Like if you if you you're trying to find out how to do something or uh, you know, 
if you Google something, like a whole bunch of results will come up, and then one of the results might be a Reddit forum where they're talking about what you're looking for. But okay. I don't I don't live in Reddit though. Oh, you don't live in Reddit. No, nah, mm. I don't live in Reddit. Okay, so this guy goes to Reddit. He talks about he's he's having his girlfriend over first time to meet the family. Uh-huh. He has a big family. Okay. Incredibly close family. Okay. And they have big family dinners every few months. Uh-huh. They all meet, the whole family goes and meets at the great grandfather's estate. And they eat together. Is the great-grandfather alive? They will say that. Okay, go ahead. But they meet at the estate. Uh-huh. Now, in these family dinners, the women <laughs> go cook oh, right. for the time that they're there, and the men don't. All right. So the whole big family gets together. All the women go off and they cook together, and the men socialize. <laughs> the guy writes in that's, the past. That's not that, that bad. Okay, so it's not that bad. Go ahead, finish. So this 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 caused the thing because he asked his girlfriend. He says, "You know, you're coming over to meet the family and everything. I need you to go cook in the kitchen with the with the with the women and you yeah, know, just you know, get on." Half of half of the half of the women in there are probably not cooking anyway. They're probably sitting around talking about whatever. And then it's probably like a certain whoever lives there, they're probably taking over the kitchen. Like you, can, you you're not gonna just go into a woman's kitchen and just start moving and shaking, you know, like you want to. Especially if she really cooks, she's not gonna have that. She's gonna dish out all her responsibilities, and for the ones that can't cook, she won't even give them anything. You know, snap these peas or something, yeah. something something easy, and then that'll be that. Peel some potatoes. So the guy says. The guy says he he asked his girlfriend, he says he was glad that she said yes, she would love to come along to the family dinner. (laughs) And then when he explained the family tradition was that the wives cooked and the men socialized, she got bothered. She was understandably, he says, bothered by that. And he told her, look, honey, I understand. I understand you're a little bothered. I understand where you're coming from. However, it's just it's the, the best for everybody if you just go ahead and play along with this thing. Just... It's not a permanent thing. Just do it so you can avoid being treated bad by the rest of the family. Just get in there and cook with the girls. That's what I'm talking about. That's like shut up. Yeah, that's like she's like holding him hostage emotionally. She's holding him hostage emotionally. emotionally. You know me. You know I'm not sexist. So then you then you then realize this request is not sexist and just go in that kitchen. Like if you want to make this situation bad just because you want to make an argument or you want to have some chip for later, okay. But you know I'm not sexist. All the other women in the kitchen, what do you want to do? Come watch the game with us? <laughs> come on. Come on, Bo. Were they trying to let the guys cook? Because uh, I'd rather the women cook probably like 90% of the time. Nick, so you – wait a minute. Say it again, Nick. You would rather the women cook? I was going to say like – yeah, like would they rather all the guys come? How, Nick, how old are you? Just don't just give us an age range if you don't mind. Just because I want to, I just identify what generation you're in. How old are you, Nick? Around? I'm. I'll just tell you how old I am. I'm 23. You're 23 years old. Okay, and you would rather the say that one more time, please. You would I, rather. I was just saying, if I had like you know a family reunion or a gathering, Thanksgiving or whatever, and all the guys are in one place and all the the ladies are in one place and 
you know, the tradition is that they would cook, I'd probably rather that, you know, instead of a bunch of guys cooking, someone's going to burn something, you know, the stuffing's not going to come out right. I'd rather the women and, in the family take charge a little bit. And we're going to hash that out before we go anyway, Bo. I'm not bringing... I'm not bringing my girl to something like that and she's already acting funky before we even get there. <laughs> I'm not doing that anyway. So we're going we gonna to know what's what before we even get in that car. See, uh, this is what the guy was saying. This is why he posted it yeah. on Reddit. He, yeah. You don't want to be the one who brought that person to, to the event. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who brought her? <laughs> I, I am upset. I am not. She ain't talking to nobody. Now you feel like you got a babysitter. You got to sit with her. You can't have fun. Yeah, you got to hash that out before you go. Okay. So, mm-hmm. ladies uh, in the audience, what do you think? I, I can't wait to hear what America's small caffeinated mom thinks about this one a little bit later in the program. The actress, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah. This is where we start going down the tough road just a little bit, folks. And you'll know the moment that we get to the real tough road of the tough road. We're headed there right now. Model Elizabeth Hurley is taking a break from sharing her bikini photos. She is now starring in a movie that she filmed last year. The movie just dropped. It's called Strictly Confidential. And it is filled with scenes of Elizabeth Hurley in very revealing skimpy outfits getting intimate with another woman. The movie was written and directed by her 21-year-old son. What what'd you what you say? Her son wrote. What did it? you? Say? Her son wrote and directed this movie with his mom, getting it on with a chick, in very skimpy, like you know, like really. Yeah, I I got a few questions. A, do they <laughs> do they like each other? Because that would affect it. Do, do the son do do she get along with the son? Number two. <laughs> I would think the son probably needed her to get that movie made. Cause she's 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 she's. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! She, wait a, wait! She's a, not that big of a name, but she is a name. So Elizabeth Hurley's. I, she's not that big of a name. She was in the nineties, but not like now though. But like she's better than nothing. So like she could get a movie made. Like. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have to cast his mom though. I'm saying he probably did. He, he cast his mother in a role where she's very skimpy and uh, having intimate scenes with another woman, and he's written and directing this thing, watching it. Hey, Mom, not enough. My, yeah, Mom, uh, Mom hold, hold, hold the ankles. <laughs> Mom, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Cut, 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 cut. The light is bad. Hold on. We got to do it over. <laughs> everybody break for lunch. Well, I see everybody back here at fifteen. But yeah, Nick. Yeah, is, is, <laughs> with another woman. Go, with another woman. You, with another woman. When yeah. you're introducing the story, I was like, okay, you know, so far so good. And then the second you said directed by her son, and I, I knew right away. Like, 
That's not bad with another woman. If it was another man, then... I don't think it matters who... It's just his mom hooking up on camera. That's the weird part. And he <laughs> he has to sit there and, like, when you're making a movie... Like, he wrote it! It's not that he... he it's not yeah. someone that forced him to yeah. sit there. But I'm, not sure he, I'm not sure he wrote it for her. Yeah, well, that's... Dude, when you're making movies but, and you're casting and you're writing a shot list, and you... you, you there's so much detail going into even I know. Budget movie. I know, but at that point, she's doing the movie. Then you're into it. But, you shouldn't be into it. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the, the, the first, second, third, fourth option probably canceled on him, and that's why he's probably using her. Nah, he wanted his mom. Or you can Well, look, man. Or, or he wanted to see his mom get along with a woman. I mean... Okay. Yeah. He wanted to see his... Probably did Okay. Both. That's the dark road. That, that's the dog well, off ramp on the on the freeway. That, that I just you told you that, that, that you don't want to go down. I just told you it's going to get rough, and we're headed down the rough road. Let's go a little bit further down the rough road. Go ahead, <sighs> Erica Jane. I don't know who she is, but it says here she's the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star. Uh-huh. I've never watched the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Nah, I've never watched the Real Housewives of Atlanta, of Detroit, of Philadelphia, yeah. of New York, yeah, nah, of anywhere else. I couldn't get into that. But Erica James says that she stopped keeping track of all of her sexual partners a long time ago. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star got candid about her active life after being asked about her body count. Yeah, okay. During a Q&A on Instagram, another social media site, and she says, I'm too old to remember all of them. She's 51 years old. I'm too old to remember all the men that I've, <clears throat> I quit counting years ago. It's good enough to be experienced, you know, but, you know, low miles. I don't know what that part means. I don't know what any of this means. What's, what's her name again? When, Erica Jane. Jane. Are you looking her up? You know I am. He is. I know you are. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to the ball game. All right. Open images. What, what do you mean, Avery? Welcome to the ball game. Thanks for all right. Go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm in. Is she what? What is she yeah. a hottie? What are you? Yeah, yeah. She she she's um she can she can get some attention. Is she on okay? The menu? What? Is she on the menu? She's definitely on the what? menu. She's def she on the menu. She on the special. <laughs> what happened? Do women? And not feel any embarrassment or sh- first of all, if someone asks you about that, it's none of your business. That's that's but the thing, then, like asking man. someone that is already like kind of now, out of pocket. Nowadays, Bo, no, it's not. Nowadays it's a badge of honor now. And I can't be and I can't it's be a mad badge of honor. I can't be mad at them because of that double standard. It I I acknowledge that it exists. Like if, if I said I had a thousand partners, um it's good. If a woman says it then she's what it's bad. So I acknowledge okay, that. Okay, I mean, if you told me you had a thousand partners, I'd tell you to go to the doctor. Thank you. Um, if I, all I, right, I don't. Look, I wouldn't look down. On, I, oh. I, I, I don't look down oh. on her for that. Oh, AI just showed me a picture of her. Yeah. See, now, now you change it too. <laughs> I'm not changing my tune. I'm just. No. Oh well. Okay. Now the road, my friends. The road gets rougher. 
The road always comes past here, don't it? <sighs> An award-winning Penn State professor has been arrested in a sickening case involving his pet collie. Themis Masokas, 64, began nervous, became nervous and then began to panic when officials from the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources showed up at his doorstep earlier this month to search his home after he was allegedly caught on a trail camera performing sexual acts with his dog. I'm dead. I'm done. You don't understand. I do it to blow off steam. He said he's a well-regarded chemistry engineering professor. He begged law enforcement officials executing the search warrant to... (laughs) I'm just going to say he begged the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Stop acting this way. Come on! He begged the law enforcement <laughs> officials to shoot him. Oh my God. He was arraigned uh he was arraigned on Tuesday of last week of open lewdness, <laughs> indecent exposure, sexual intercourse with an animal oh, and animal cruelty. That, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> the professor's dramatic fall from grace came nearly two months after a trail camera installed by DCNR, allegedly captured him on the night of April 13th, walking (laughs) naked from the waist down with his pet collie. She is. Ah. Yeah. She must have put it on him. Like, he ain't even bothered putting his pants back on. That's uh, Now, what is not being reported in this story is that this guy is a Democrat donor of... Major proportion. He has donated to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. He's donated to Elizabeth Warren. He's donated to a slew of Democrats. See, people and act blue. People mad that people saying Republicans don't hit back. I'm telling you, I think I think a Republican put that camera up. (laughs) Put that camera on that tree, said put one here, here, and here. Trust me. (laughs) He'll be here. Four days of no footage. I'm telling you, trust me. Keep rolling. (laughs) Keep rolling. He'll be passed. Nah, I mean, now we have yeah. uh, we have one more story, and we need that same song. And yes, we're going to go to break. We need that same song one more time. Hit it, uh, Nick, uh, when uh, you can, because there is just one more incident, one more story as we go down the road. A 20-year-old Indiana man allegedly had sex with his family's dog and threatened to kill his mother with a hammer after she witnessed his sick act. Blake Referent of Elkhart was charged last week with bestiality and intimidation with a weapon after his mother allegedly saw him with his pants down with their dog pinned on the couch. 
What's going on, man? See, now here's the difference between the two. All right? One was consensual and one wasn't. <laughs> the other one was a, was, a, was a romantic picnic in the park. And this one, the dog was all pinned down on the couch <laughs> trying to get away. See, these are two different instances. These are two different instances here. I'm telling you, man. And the mother witnessed it? How do you witness it? Like, if you walk in on it, you, you immediately leave. I think she walked in and stayed. I don't think so. I think she walked in and stayed. That's how you witness something. Like, if, 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 you, if you just walk in and go, ah, and then leave, that's not witnessing it. She witnessed it. Huh. What kind? What we, kind of family? Like, where is this at? I don't know what. Kind of, where? I don't know what. I don't know what's happening in this world. What part of the country? We have to go to Indiana. Okay. I got to talk yeah. to Ronda about. We got to. Yeah, that, that's uh, farm. That's farm country. Them sheep better run too. <laughs> <laughs> the sheep happy. We, yeah. We have to go to a better than we have me. To go to, <laughs> we have. We have to go to a break. I told you this was going to be a rough hour, folks. The sheep got to heal up. <laughs> James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Give a dog a bone. Yeah. We got to go back. That's, that's how you got that dog in the park. <laughs> box, of, box of milk bones. After this. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. In New York, we are the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday and this is your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. 800-848-WABC. Oh, my gosh. Our small caffeinated mom, Rhonda, tells me uh, via a text message that Elkhart, where this last guy... Uh, Pinned his dog. It's ten miles away from where they live. She, she, she know him. I don't know whether she knows she, him. You she, have to ask her, Avery. She know him. I and don't the know. Dog, and the dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, champ, champ, was that you, champ? <laughs> and Derek has weighed in via text. What's really weird about the pervert professor, Democrat donor, is he did it outside. He could have easily done it and got away with it. Sick as it is, in the privacy of his own home. But because he tried to take the dog's feelings into account, That's what I'm saying. the dog might not like the surroundings. It was romantic. That was a romantic thing. The other, the other, thing, the other thing was a smash and grab. <laughs> My man in Indiana said enough is enough. Oh, goodness. Uh, telephones, let's go to the phones. We have more news, but I'm going to... Uh, Tommy in Brooklyn, New York, welcome you on WABC. How are you, Tommy? Oh, good morning, Bo. This is a great show this morning. This is in reference to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Why isn't this obscene movement towards Catholicism a hate crime? 
while making uh, comments or referments towards the LGBT plus community being immoral, a hate crime. I'd also like to know and hear what Avery has to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'd like you. Wait a minute. I'd like you to say that one more time, and I'd like you to go just a bit slower with your question. Repeat that question, Um, please, one more time. Why isn't this movement, um, this obscene movement towards the Catholicism, a hate crime, while comments or referments towards the LGBT plus community as being immoral, a hate crime? Now, this is an interesting question. When someone makes a comment that people don't like about LGBTQ, you're right. They are saying, well, number one, you're transphobic. And in certain cases, depending on the environment that you make those those comments in, you could be charged with, well, or be said to have committed a hate crime. Right. Huh. And you're saying this is openly mocking and and injurious to people of the Catholic faith. Why isn't this I'm, considered hate? Yeah, just I don't understand because, I, I mean, I'm not a Catholic. I mean, I was born Catholic, but I'm a Reformed Catholic, so I'm just a spiritual person. But, you know, if you want to have a, your comment about something or, or your opinion about something, I got no problem with it. But why are you trying to bash somebody's religion and and, and, it be, and it's not wrong? Well, if you bash somebody's sexual preference, it's wrong. Well, I'm not even saying sexual preference because I don't want to make it. It's not a gay thing. This is a transphobic thing or whatever they're trying to prove. I don't even know. Interesting, 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 interesting. Tommy, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. James Golden, a.k.a. Snyder, we're going to take a quick call from Christine in Middletown before the break. Christine, how are you? Welcome, Christine. Hi, James. Good morning. Well, you know, I've had enough of the Pride Nights of the sports teams and the whole Pride Month. And um, as a suicide survivor, I can't stand the Dodgers having a group that's anti-God. It's God that had different plans for me, and I accepted God. And it's really insulting to me for what the Dodgers did last night, sir. Now, do you think that this is, you know, you are transgendered. That's what you mean when you say you have God had a different plan for you. And you know we love you, Christine. And and your your courage to come on the show and talk about your experience has just been, I think, teachable to a lot of people and opens up a lot of understanding about some of the issues that transgendered people face. But you said you're sick of this Pride Month thing. You're, you're sick of this thing at Dodger Stadium. Why? Well, the LGB is on your sex with sexual preference. I don't think we need to parade that. Me being transgender dysphoria is a, is a medical mental health disorder. I don't celebrate that. I just try to quietly live every day. And by the way, if you go to a Pride event wearing a Let's Go Brandon shirt like I did a couple of weeks ago, you're not going to get treated well. Let's put it that way. So they don't. Oh, goodness. Once they teach. <laughs> mm. So there was very little tolerance for your Let's Go Brandon t shirt, hmm? Yeah. I, Christine, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't repeat what they told me on the air. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, well, well. So much for tolerance, huh? Exactly. Uh huh. So that's well, that's that it's the untold story of pride, James. The untold story of pride. Thank you, Christine. Always love to hear from you, James Golden, aka Snurly, 
on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are coming back. Don't you go away. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-WABC. Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Genesis. On WABC. Saturday morning, 800-848-WABC is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. You know, Avery, I thought thought that, well, anyway, I'm still going back to your guys' take, you young guys. I, you know, this is one of the things that I don't know whether I should be encouraged or not. Both you and Nick with this idea that you, you're going to invite a girl, your woman over the house, the girlfriend, and you're going to just relegate her to the kitchen. Get in there to the kitchen and cook with the girls and, and let us guys just, you know, socialize with each other while you do the work. And then I, I guess you guys also expect that these, after they get through cooking, that they'll come out and they'll serve you too. Is that part of the uh, is that part of the idea? I wouldn't go that far, but if all the women are in the kitchen, why are you out here with me? Like, why do you want to be out here with me if all the women are in there? That's what that's my because point. maybe she doesn't like to cook. But, maybe she's not a good cook. But I'm telling you, fifty percent of the women in that kitchen yeah, are then, not good cooks. They're not all cooking in there, and, and they you know, got they, different jobs, easy jobs. They said that all the guys are in one room socializing. That's, pro- I mean, you know, they're not just cooking. The women aren't there cooking silently. You know, they're probably talking and socializing too. So it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like uh, when you're in school and you take health class and they, they divide you into two different rooms. It's kind of like that. It's yeah, n- even though it's a gendered thing, it's not necessarily sexist. They're probably in there talking bad about the men. You know, yeah. you, you know what's going so on. So let me just, I just want to make sure I understand this, Nick. You're saying it's not sexist to relegate the women women to the kitchen. And to let the men socialize and have women relegated to the kitchen doing the cooking is not, in your view, sexist. It's, that's not a sexist thing. I don't think so. You said it was a tradition. Yeah. Just because it's a tradition doesn't mean it's not sexist. It could be a sexist tradition. But I just, now let me just say, okay, so let me ask you another question. So the girls, the women that you know, right, would they go along with this? I just want to just would they would they think this is cool? Just go along with it. Well, yeah, because they want to meet your family more than anything, probably. So yeah, they go in there and hang out. They go in there and hang out. Yeah, they don't have to cook a thing. They just got to meet everyone, and that's the most important thing. Well, no, the most important thing is just to keep some peace. Like you don't really care if they meet anybody. You just want to be able to. Yeah, meet meet everyone and have a good time and yeah, keep the general yeah, vibe good. Yeah, that's oh. that, yeah, that's that, that's what you want. Just don't mess it up for everybody. Yeah, don't be yeah. 
the one that everyone's looking at and talking about. And who, yeah, why'd you bring her? Like, you don't want that. If, and you, if you're gonna do it, wait till we go home in the car. Yeah, then complain. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess it up. Interesting. It's time for the morning dance. Oh, you know what? It is. That's AI. AI has weighed in. We did not do this so far, so it is indeed. We have passed our time. We are midway through the show, and every time, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, by the way, 800-848-WABC. Very quickly, it is time for the morning dance. You got my, you got my auntie back. I got your auntie back? Yeah, okay. My, my auntie giving us instructions again. All right. Okay, let me... Oh, oh good call. All right, here's where we get up out of our seats. That's right, get up, Avery. Time to groove for a moment. Spira Gyra, it is time for the morning dance on WABC. A Avery's still sitting. Come on, move. Move that body. That's right. This is Spira Gyra, the morning dance on WABC, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And ladies, you don't have to get be in the kitchen to do the morning dance. I can't imagine asking a woman out in this day and time and say, hey, baby, I'd like you to come meet my family. But here's the thing. You you have to go in the kitchen and cook. It's not all day. <laughs> it's not all day. I just can't even. You guys, I mean, in a way. Ah, thank you. That was good. In a way, I'm glad that you guys are so... And the younger generation are so, I guess, independent. Where's, you, where's this at? Is it down south or up north? I, it didn't say. Because if it's down south, what difference does is, it make? Is, if it's down south, this is no problem. None. If it's up north, maybe. If it's down south, it's to be expected. No problem as, at all if it's down south. If it's down south, it's to be expected. Boy, it's more ingrained. That you're a woman, get in there and cook. It's more ingrained in the culture. Like like little girls grow up hanging around their grandmothers in the kitchen learning how to cook. Really? Yeah, if it's up north, then you know, you might have a little a little How about out you know, in the Midwest? How about out where 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 Rhonda and those guys are ten miles nope, away yep. from the guy who pinned his dog? Nope. Yeah, well see, no problem. You got no problem there. <laughs> You got you got no problem out, out in the Midwest too. Out west, out west all the way maybe. So the the up north and out west problem. Midwest and the down south no problems. All right. Next story: A Marquette University professor, Marquette University professor says the American flag makes him anxious. He said this during an NPR, of course, radio interview this week. He's a philosophy professor. His name is Grant Silver. He told the affiliate station in Milwaukee, the NPR, that he feels anxious, anxious when he sees an American flag. In the interview, he described how excessive imagery of American flags is borderline nationalism. It's borderline, uh, okay, they he missed the one word. Put the one word in front of it that you know that they, when you hear nationalism, what is the word that leftists usually put in front of it these days? You know what that word is. You want me to say it? Go ahead. That would be white with a capital H. Yes. Yes. I also get a little bit anxious around the excessive imagery of the flag in part because of my experience. 
patriotism quickly slips into nationalism, especially the simplistic version of patriotism, the flag-waving, my country, love it or leave it kind of attitude. That's just a hop, skip, and jump away from becoming nationalism. He also said that the flag has several different meanings and can represent exclusion for some people. As much as I would like to see the flag displayed in a proud manner, it all too quickly takes on the stakes that, as a non-white person, can mean a lot, right? See? See? It can mean a sense of inclusion or exclusion. So you see, the American flag to you means America, the beautiful, the wonderful. To this guy on the left, a college professor, university professor of philosophy, it means a sense of inclusion or you're being excluded, really. A sense of belonging or the ascription of perpetual foreigner, perpetual outsider status, that the flag is not for me unless I'm willing to abide by the assimilatory paradigm that some of these individuals that you're talking about tend to put forward. Now, get that. Meaning, some people wave the flag, want people to actually assimilate and be Americans, and this guy's offended by it. This is really amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. College professor, university professor, Marquis University. Um, There is, we have another case. Oh, by the way, new Spider-Man movie. There's a new anime, Spider-Man kind of animation style movie. Guess what? It's been yanked in Muslim-majority countries. You know what? They found a little Protect Trans Kids poster buried in there. This is another one of those. Um, who does Spider-Man? Is Spider-Man a Disney it's Sony. or a DC? It's Sony. Okay, it's a Sony thing. Across the Spider-Verse. So in the United Arab Emirates countries, let me see, it's a bunch of them. Kuwait, UAE, Oman, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Bahrain, Lebanon, Egypt. The movie's been pulled. They're like, no, we're not doing this indoctrination over here. Yeah. So I guess, I guess. And by the way, I don't see anybody protesting. I don't see anybody saying, oh, calling these nations all sorts of names, calling their people all kind of horrible names. I, I think they said no. I think when you make a, when you make a movie, I think if you do a pie chart, I don't think. A big piece of that pie would be the Middle East. Are you kidding? I know you want. That's everything. not true. You want. That's you, not true. You, you want. You want domestic. You want Europe. But the Middle East. If the Middle East, you know, kind of turns its back on you, I mean, you still, you still have an sh- opportunity to do very, very well. Okay, but let me tell you, there's a lot of money over there, which is why they're releasing it in all those countries. Oh, absolutely. You want global reach. You get India, and you, you get China, you get Europe, you you you, you all right. 
You all right, huh? So never mind the Middle East. Screw the Middle East. Don't piss off China. You all right? (laughs) Don't piss off. Well. (laughs) WABC Talk Radio 77-800-848-WABC is our number. Give us a call. We're coming back. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go anywhere. I got another. We've got, we talked about Minneapolis yesterday. There's a companion story today. We're going to revisit what we said about Minneapolis yesterday. But I got a, a California story today that's a companion story. So George Benson takes us in. We're coming back. Don't go away. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. George Benson in and out. Breezing takes us, took us in, and now, give me the night. George Benson on WABC, Talk Radio 77. a Rod Temperton song. Rod Temperton. Do you know who he is? Nick, musician, you know who Rod Temperton is? He's a legendary songwriter. Absolutely. What else did he write? You know, I'm blanking right I'll now. I'll give you one. Okay. I'll give you one. Thriller. Oh, nice. I'll give you another one. Rock with you. Was he? Was he a British guy? Yes, he was British, and he started, his first success came with the group Heat Wave. Nice. So he's the guy, if you have the groove line, do you have the groove line in there by Heat Wave? Or um, uh, what was their big one? Boogie Nights, Heat Wave? Yeah, we got groove line. Play mixed groove line. All right. And you'll actually hear a similarity in the styles of the song. Yeah, this is a uh, this is another this was one of the big ones for Heatwave, Rod Temperton. Those of you remembering your disco days. That's pretty And fast. listen to this, listen to Thriller, listen to all of them. You hear the similarity in in Rod's writing. Really nice. Yeah, Heat Wave. They broke with, um, let's see, Boogie Nights was their first big one. And Heat Wave was actually an American group. A lot of Americans that went over to England and worked with Rod over there. This is a jam. Yeah, this was a jam. Let's go to Joyce in Connecticut on WABC. Thank you for waiting, Joyce. We appreciate it. How are you this morning? Oh, Bo, I want to tell you that you always make my Saturday very good because you have an upbeat, happy show, 
you talk about different things. It's not the same repeated stories all day long on every channel. You spice it up. You bring some fun to it. And you should always keep it that way. And you always have to keep Avery. I know you switched some guys around like Diego and Scott, right? You don't have them anymore? Uh, Diego and Scott in and out, in and out, in and out. And Nick is here today in the seat that usually Diego. And, and Diego was training Nick so he could do this. Poor Diego works some days, six and seven days a week. So Nick is here now on Saturdays. Some Saturdays it'll be Diego. Some Saturdays it'll be Nick. But Nick is fully trained and competent, and it's flawless. So, yeah, no, so you'll great. hear Diego. Yeah. And Mr. No, Nick. Nick is great. Nick is great. All the guys you have in the morning, I just want to say don't ever get rid of Avery because he is so funny. Yeah. Oops. Line was oh, cut. Yeah, Avery is so great. I just wanted to say just make sure you keep him. Thank you. Avery, you have some fans out here. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Joyce. Thank you. Let us go. Thank you. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk County. Robert, you're on WABC. Thank you for waiting. How are you? Hello, Robert. One, two, three. He's gone. Let's go to George in Rockland County. George, how are you? Thank you for waiting. I'm great. Thanks for taking my call, Mr. Golden. So I have a question to you, okay? Uh, crime in a subway, okay? That's a topic. Uh, you know what they say, nobody is above the law, according to all the important people here? So I'm looking at it and saying, who are the people who are responsible for the subway? You know, the MTA chairman and the mayor of New York. Could you imagine somebody going into their office and doing what's been done in a subway car? I don't think anybody would be able to get even close to it. What is the difference? Those two people are basically, it seems to me, a derelict of their duties. They're responsible to provide a complete safe uh, environment in the subway, just like there is a safe environment in their own offices, which is after all, let me, public domain. George, let me expand on your remarks. Thank you. It is not just the mayor, and it is not just the head of the MTA. It is also Governor Hochul. It is also members of the City Council of New York, these members who pass these insane laws that allow criminals out on the street so that they can wander above ground and underground. It is also Alvin Bragg and the district attorney's office. And let's put your same standard. Would you be able to walk into any of their offices? Would you be able to walk into the city council people's office? Also, your Congress people like uh, 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 Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who um, demands that these bail reforms stay in place, even though crime is out of control because, in part, we refuse to hold criminals accountable for their actions. Would you be able to walk into any of their offices and do or threaten them the way that people are routinely threatened on the subways? And then when you have someone that stands up to it, someone that says, oh, oh, one of these crazed individuals, and, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, sometimes these people are truly disturbed with mental health, 
which points to another failing of the government to actually help and make sure that people who have mental health issues that could threaten harm to themselves or others are put away in a safe environment and actually treated for their mental illness. No, we don't have that. What we have is a complete abrogation of responsibility so that if you as a private citizen say, I have to intercede to stop someone from getting killed, I have to restrain this person, then the full force of these same government officials is put against you. What is happening to this Marine right now who stepped in to try to stop train passengers on the subways, and you had another instance where a guy came up and was pushing a woman. He got stabbed in the, in the chest, and he's dead. They arrested the guy. They arrested him. He was being, and his girlfriend was being harassed. They get arrested. What you are seeing is insanity on parade in New York. And it's not just New York. When we come back from our top of the hour break, there's another story that I want to relate to the story that was in Minneapolis the other day. What you are seeing around the country are the result of Democrat and liberal and socialist liberal policies being enacted in almost every blue city in America, and the results are catastrophic, but they don't care about the results. You are in the peasant class. Their ideology reigns supreme because they are the elite class. They are not affected by the laws that they pass. You are. You are the peasants. We are the peasants. They are the elites. They know better than us. They don't care about the results because they're not affected by the results. So your question, George, was a great question. These people will never confront the same challenges that their policies put upon you. That's just the way it is. WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back. Hour number three coming up. On our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, we will hear from America's small caffeinated mom in the next hour. 800-848-WABC is the number. Thank you for being with us for hour number one, hour number two, hour number three. That's right, man, tree man. Hour number three coming up right after this. Talk Radio 77. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Indeed. Our number three underway. Thank you, y'all. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-WABC. We will hear this hour from America's small caffeinated mom, it is the Sunday before Father's Day. The Saturday before Sunday's Father Sunday's Father's Day. I never know when Father's Day is going to be. You, you, you don't, Nick, you don't, yeah. Avery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big special day in America. Right. 
you know, it's Mother's Day, you know, it's huge. It used to be Mother's Day was the day that I don't know whether this still holds. More telephone calls placed in America than almost any other day. Of course, the florists make out like bandits on Mother's Day. Father's Day, eh, it comes and goes. It's like, yeah, okay, that happened, thanks. Um, Here's a story I, I mentioned in the last hour. It comes from Antioch, California. California's police department racist tech scandal forces DA to drop charges in woman's burning. So what are the details here? A woman was allegedly mutilated and burned by two men in Antioch, California. But prosecutors had to drop the charges because of racist and homophobic texting in their police department. Two men charged with burning a black woman's body in California are today free because of the Antioch Police Department's bigoted text scandal that resulted in suspensions for almost half, half, of the police department there. Charges against Ashton Montalvo and D'Angelo Boone, who are accused of throwing 25-year-old Michaela Elizabeth Charlemagne's body into the trash and setting it on fire last October, were dropped because several of the police officers who worked on that case were embroiled in this texting scandal. The Contra Costa District Attorney's Office said the prosecution relied heavily on the investigative work of police officers who have been associated with racist text. After thoroughly reviewing the officer's role in this case, applying relevant legal principles, and considering ethical responsibilities, the Contra Costa District Attorney's Office no longer has confidence in the integrity of this prosecution. Our office extends our deepest sympathies to the family of Ms. Charlman, and we aspire to renew this prosecution if presented with the opportunity to do so. In other words, to the family, hey, get lost, sorry, you're not going to get justice. Now, the woman died from a fentanyl overdose. But then these two supposedly found her on a walking trail, mutilated her body, set fire to the body, and they pled not guilty. Her family released an emotional video on Facebook last week. They talked about her, this devastating toll that this case has taken on them. This is tough to listen to. I'm going to go through it. My mom walked into the funeral and had to see a shell of a body charred with half of a face. And that was the last image we saw in our heads of what we once knew was our sister, our daughter, our cousin, our aunt. So what is this tech scandal? The FBI and Contra Costa District Attorney released a redacted report, redacted, 
last March. It just shows some of what the police officers were texting toward themselves, around themselves, that demonstrated their racial bias and animus toward African Americans and other people of color. The text included vulgar language, rampant use of the N-word, text and memes that referred to black people as a bunch of gorillas, threats like, I'll bury that in, in in my fields, a sexually explicit image of a naked man sitting on George Floyd, among dozens and dozens of other messages. In one text, a police officer texted another, since we don't have video, I'll sometimes just say that people give me a full confession when they didn't. Gets filled easier, gets filed easier. So admitting that they frame people, they just say, oh, he confessed. We don't have video. Who's going to stop us? We're the cops. And another text, an author, uh, an officer allegedly offered to buy someone a prime rib dinner if they would use a 40-millimeter weapon on the mayor of Antioch, Lamar Thorpe. The original report when this came out named 14 Antioch police officers, but the Contra Costa County Public Defender's Office said that 45 officers, 45 police officers, 45 of the 99 on the police force have now been accused of misconduct. 45, half of the police force involved in this racist texting this back and forth. The vile messages surfaced during an FBI investigation into allegations that the Antioch and Pittsburgh police officers were distributing drugs, steroids, accepting bribes, and intentionally using excessive force. The Antioch Police Department could not be reached for comment. Now, the woman whose body was mutilated and burned is they're annoyed. The family says justice here is not being served. This happened before. This texting scandal came out, and all of a sudden it's like a cop-out. The system is failing us. It's failing us. The woman was an Oakland native, the youngest of seven siblings. She was studying in college to work as a hair and makeup stylist. So what? Yesterday, I took you through the results of a DOJ study into what happened in Minneapolis, their police department, systematic abuse that led up to the George Floyd situation. Systematic. Systematic abuse, especially when it came to minorities. And I asked the question then. I asked the question yesterday. Who runs Minneapolis? Who has run Minneapolis for decades? Who is in charge politically of Minneapolis? Does anybody remember the answer? Nick. 
who runs Minneapolis? That would be the Democrats. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. Avery, who runs Antioch, California, where half the police department has been systematically engaged in racism against black people, and now they've had to actually let people that have burned and mutilated a black woman's body go because these police were so corrupt? Who runs Antioch, California? If you don't know where Antioch, California is, Antioch, California is in the Bay Area of California. Who runs Antioch, California? Avery, you want to take a guess? Well, you mean as far as Republican, Democrat? Yeah, Yeah, who runs the place? Yeah, California is Democrat. Well, see, parts of Northern California are not. Parts of Northern California want to break away, actually, from California. Uh, They just have a small minority. But just this one city where all this stuff, this, this county, Contra Costa County, who runs it? I would, I would say it's a, it's a Democratic town. City. Okay, that's what you'd say. Want to hazard a guess, Nick? Who runs Antioch County? I mean, it is California, so I'm, I'm going to agree with Avery and say it's the Democrats again. Okay. Let us go to a website called suggestedbylocals.com. This is one source. There were other sources. And this was updated May 5th, 2023. Politics is the source of a lot of controversies these days, and many people want to, around them want to know those around them have the same political beliefs that they do. Are Antioch County residents more likely to be liberal or conservative? And here is the answer. Antioch, California, is a liberal city. The majority of residents have voted for the Democrat candidates in every presidential race since 2000. Contra Costa County, the county in which Antioch is, is also a liberal area. And California is a liberal state. And they go on and on with all kind of the records that support it and the demographics that support it. 71. 6% of the people in Contra Costa County voted Democrat. Thank you, AI. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. So here we go again. And now let me make this point for you one more time. You would believe, if you listen to liberals, that the biggest problems facing African Americans, especially when it comes to law enforcement, are because these evil Republicans have trained their police forces to go after black people, to mistreat black people and people of color, And people, and yes, do I say that with a certain snark? Yes, because I hate the term, people of color. It's like, what, purple? Magenta? I'm a person of color. I'm magenta. I'm a person of color. I'm cayenne red. I'm a person of color. A person of color. Anyway, I digress. You would believe that the biggest threat to black human beings on in America are evil Republicans who want to oppress them at every turn. Yet, you go back to this DOJ report that was just released this week, 
Where has the systematic oppression of black people been in Democrat-run cities? If you look at where the brutality exists, it is in liberal cities. You know the guy that stuck the broomstick up Abner Luima is, is getting out, right? He's getting out of jail. I saw that early this week. Do you remember that case, Nick? You may be a little young. Have you ever heard of Abner, Abner Luima? Yeah, go look this case up. I heard about a broomstick. That's it. Yeah, they, this, this cop shoved the broomstick up this guy's rear and put him in the hospital. And he's getting out of jail. Where did that happen? Right here in New York. Where did that happen? Where this brutality? Who runs New York? What political machine has run New York for almost two centuries? Where you occasionally you'll get some Republican guy as mayor, but the machinery of the political machinery in New York has been Democrat liberal from the days of Tammany Hall. The corrupt Tammany Hall. The machine. Who runs Minneapolis? Who runs Antioch? Who runs Atlanta? Who runs Dallas? All of these, who runs Austin? Even in the red state of Texas. Who runs Detroit? Who runs Philadelphia? You look at all these places. Even when you go down south and you see problems in some of these towns, they're usually cities that are run by who? Run by Democrats. And why in the world the Republican Party sits on their behinds and never actually puts an ad together that actually points this out is beyond me. Why in the world we have to hear story after story about how Republicans are racist scumbags, racist this, racist that all the time when you look at what is actually happening in the country. It is the Democrats that are in charge of the misery. Democrats are the party of misery. How come you can't get your gear from overseas? The supply line changed. Who did it start with? Why, when you walk in the grocery store, Derek mentioned this, you can't even walk out unless you spend 60, 70 bucks and you walk out with one bag. Who, who did that? Right now, foreclosures are on the rise in several key states, including New York, Florida, and believe it or not, Texas. How does this happen? When you go through all of the things that are bringing misery to human beings and you look at the policies behind them, usually, I'm not saying 100%, but at 90% of the time, there's one party behind it, at least, my opinion. And that would be the Democrat Party. And yet, this stuff is never, ever pointed out. And Republicans are even too timid or too stupid to make the case for this themselves. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, WABC Talk Radio 7. We are coming back. Your call's coming up. Todd Rudgren on WABC Talk Radio 77.
the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. Good call, Nick. I was just thinking about this song earlier this week. Snood like butter. Let's head back to the telephone, shall we? Let's go to Clarence in Brooklyn, New York. Clarence, thank you for waiting. How are you this morning? Hi, James. Uh, I just want to say, first thing, happy Juneteenth to you. Um, I think it's really something that we really need to be highlighting more, um, especially on the conservative side. The second thing I want to say is that if the reparations for black folks isn't passed, then nobody should vote for Democrats. They should just get the Democrat liars out their system. The other thing I wanted to say is I listen to Diego's music daily in my Uber, um, and it's part of my My Peach playlist. And I will be getting the ebook version of your book. I have the paperback version of your book, but driving all the time, I have to like sneak, you know, time to read your book. Thank you. I so appreciate that. The book rush on the radio. Thank you very much, Clarence. I do appreciate the call very much. And I'm sure Diego is going to be glad to know that you're part of his playlist. I'll be sure to tell Diego that he will appreciate it very much. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. We do appreciate you, Clarence. Let me address this reparations issue. After all this fuss in California, if you haven't been following the story, it's kind of gone gone dark, no pun intended, over the past week or two, because all of a sudden, Democrats are speaking up in, in well, they're not speaking up, they're mumbling. You know, we really can't afford to pay these people reparations. We, we can't afford to, people are talking about spending billions of dollars. We can't afford to give these people all that money. Yeah. After all this talk about, oh, yeah, we need reparations, we need reparations. So they put these reparations commissions together, especially the one in California. They're being put together in other places, too. And now people are coming out, yep, give us a few million bucks per a piece. You total it all up, it's trillions of dollars that are going to be asked for in reparations. I can tell you now, and I've been laughing, about, I've been laughing myself silly every time I see one of these hearings that they have, and someone says, oh, nope. Nope, nope, $5 million per person, that's not enough. We need more. We deserve more. When this, when people wake up and they figure out that after all their expectations have been raised, that they're going to get some more free money from the government because they're black or because they're, you know, brown or because they're whatever. And, and, and by the way, I think that the reparations scam if it ever does happen, see, this is a win-win. 
if it happens, right, and taxpayers are forced to fork over money because of racial preferences and racial set-asides, then everybody else needs to figure out their angle on the scam because everybody's gone through some grief in life. Life is part grief for everybody. That's part of life. So if it's successful, and if these people are able, these people, meaning these leftists, are able to shake down the government for money based on race, then every single, of, every single woman out here start lining up your case for reparations on how you've been oppressed by Avery and Nick who want to send you into the kitchen while the men socialize. Start putting together your reparations claim while you had to do the work for carrying their babies. Well, I'm assuming that they, well, nah. Well, if they don't have them now, they will have them. For carrying their babies while they sat around and watched football or soccer or whatever they did. If that, and then and if, you're, if you're from whatever ever you are, somebody did something to you or your people, start putting together your claims. So that's one way it's a win-win. The other win is if it doesn't work, and all of a sudden you're going to have all these people that thought they were going to get some loot. They thought their ship was going to come in. They thought it was going to be lottery times 10, and they were going to make out without having to do anything to earn it and they get nothing, or they get some, you know, okay, here's 25 bucks for your ancestral uh, uh, oppression. They are going to be ticked. And who should they be ticked at? The people that promised them all this stuff. So you see, either way, this reparations thing, no matter how it turns out, it's a win-win. Is it divisive? Sure, it's divisive. And and by the way, I'm going to apply, just so you know, if this thing ever does, I'm going to apply. If it ever happens, I'm going to apply to be the person that goes to knock on the doors of some people. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait if this happens. I'm going to do Who is it? Hello, Mr. Winfrey. This is Bo Snurley. I'm here with your reparations check. I've got five million, six million bucks for you, Oprah, because you were oppressed and your people were oppressed. All you have to do is sign right here and then I'll go down the block. Hello, Jada, Will, are you home? Hey, Jada, who's that guy with you? Is that, no, that's not Will. Oh, Jada, that's not Will in there? It doesn't matter. Jada, I got a check for you guys. I got a big check for you, reparations. Then go down a little bit. Hello, Snoop. Hey, Snoop, I hear you got this new racket going with uh, with pet, whatever it is. Don't worry about it, bro. I got a check for you, Snoop. <laughs> Dr. Dre, you home? Yeah, bro. Got some money for you. Got some stash. Your reparations check is here. I want to be that guy that delivers the reparations check to some of these folks out there in California. I'll apply. I'll do it for free. I'll do it at my own expense. 
James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back, more of your calls coming up right after this. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Gypsy Kings on WABC Talk Radio 77. Awesome. Oh, yeah, man. Gypsy King. Awesome musicians. Bumbaleo, the Gypsy Kings on WABC. Donald Trump, President Trump, slammed House Republicans. There were 20 of them who did not vote to censure Adam Schiff, despite all the lies that he told, all of the brazen lies he told trying to take President Trump down. 20 of them said, nope, don't censure the guy. Another two didn't vote at present. Bunch of freaking cowards. And President Trump says every single one of them should face a primary challenge, and I couldn't agree more. I hope that they right now that in each one of these districts, the vetting process is on for a legitimate candidate that can win to primary every single one of these so-called Republicans, these rhinos who gave Shifty Schiff a pass. Every single one of them needs to be primaried. The Democrats, I mean, are you kidding me? You would never find this kind of breakaway. This is, it's insanity that this is what Republicans have to put up. But let's go back to the telephones. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. You've been waiting. Dave, how are you? Welcome. You're on WABC. Hello, Dave. Dave in Pennsylvania. That's who I want. We're in Dave in New York. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Oh, well, hello, Bo. Good morning. Uh, Good to hear you on a Saturday. I'm not usually in the car, but uh, I'd just like to ask you if you've heard about this. I've only heard from one source on uh, Real America's Voice. That they cleared out or the or in process of clearing out like 40,000 acres for just north of Dallas. I think it's a town in, uh, around Liberty in Texas where they're looking at uh, housing like I, said, I, I believe there are like 100,000 of them out there somewhere. I don't know what the, you know, where they're living. If they're I have not heard that specific but story, but I, I, I have not heard that specific story, but I will look into it. Now, if you ask me would it surprise me? that there is a mass effort underway to to clear out people for illegal immigrants, I would say no. But remember, we all got, uh, many of us got fooled 
by this story that homeless, that veterans were being thrown out of a hotel in New York. That story turned out to be a hoax. So I just want to tread very carefully. I'll look into it. If indeed the story is real, I will report it, and I'll do some digging on it. Okay? So I appreciate the heads up on that. Thank you, Dave. Now, Dave in Pennsylvania. You've been waiting quite a while. How are you, Dave? Uh, Mr. Snurd, you know, I think I'm authorized to say that if if Rush was here, he, he'd say, you've done me proud. Oh, thank you. Uh um, I wanted to touch on this topic of uh, get in the kitchen and cook, woman. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see a Did you ever see a film called Giant? I don't remember it. Tell me about it. This was This was made back in the 1950s. It was social commentary concerning two topics: racism and sexism. And in the film, Rock Hudson wanted. Uh, 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 Elizabeth Taylor to get in the kitchen with the woman and cook while the men sit in the living room and talk politics and drink uh, brandy and smoke cigars. And she was highly indignant. So this this, this social commentary has been going on for a very long time. Mm. Did Rock Hudson uh, get his, what happened? Did she go in the kitchen and cook? Uh, uh, oh no, she 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 took him to the woodshed <laughs> over the top. Oh, she did. And, oh, she did. I mean, th- this is a a a, a classic um, Hollywood film in the uh, archives of the uh, you know the co- the congressional archives of significant films. Um, you you should check it out sometime. It's um, okay. It's called Giant and Rock Hudson and uh, you said Elizabeth Taylor. James Dean. James, James, James Dean, yes. He, he makes Thank an you. appearance in that film. Mm-hmm. Right, well, and, that's, okay, that's, I appreciate that. Get in the kitchen and cook. And Elizabeth tells no. Nyet. Nada. So let me get this straight. Rock Hudson wanted to take, get instead of going to the bedroom, get in the kitchen. Hmm, well, well, I, I would well. imagine that. She, <laughs> you I would, would imagine, imagine what? She was supposed to be in both places. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dave. Mike in St. James, thank you for waiting. You're on WABC. How are you, Mike? Hello, Bo. Thank you. Uh, question. I am a Trump supporter, but at his rallies, he's saying he can end the war, Ukraine war, in 24 hours. Would you have an opinion on how he can do that? I don't know. I guess we'd have to wait and see. I don't know. I do know one thing. If Russians keep losing their troops, now Russians are doing some, I think, pretty scary things. They're moving nuclear weapons into Belarus right now. And they're saying this is going to be, if anyone thinks this country is going to get invaded, you're wrong. They're positioning their nukes in Belarus right now. So I think that's scary. If you haven't been, we don't talk about foreign policy nearly enough, Joe, because the United States right now doesn't have one. But also, China has been making so many threatening moves in the South China Sea. In fact, the other day, they sent one of their um, ships crossed right in front of an American vessel. It was an American vessel or Philippine. It was an American vessel, I believe. And then you look at some of the threatening moves 
They, they have a bigger Navy right now than we do. Just think about that for a minute. China has a bigger Navy than we do. And we saw this beginning during the Obama administration. They said that they wanted to build up their Blue Water Navy. And they've done it. And in the intervening years, we have shrunk our Navy. We have shrunk our defense. And meanwhile, we have the Space Force gal general out here saying she pays more attention to the LBGTQ stuff. And she's complaining about Republican laws instead of talking to Americans about how she and others in the military are planning our first line of defense. This is where we are. We're arguing about transgenderism, surgeries for transgender, how are we paying for all these surgeries for people that want to come in and get a free surgery just by being in the military. Meanwhile, China is actually growing their military by leaps and bounds. Russia is moving nuclear weapons around. We've got all sorts of threats facing the United States. And we're, what are we? We're consumed with this LGBTQ stuff. This is a recipe for disaster. And that disaster may not come next week. It may not come next year. But unless we actually get back to the business of protecting America's military and making sure that we are in a position of military supremacy and of readiness, I guarantee you one day we will rule the day that we spent so much time absorbed in this social engineering rather than in military readiness and military capability. This is a recipe, what you are witnessing, or not witnessing because it isn't reported much in the press, what we are witnessing in America right now is a recipe for disaster on a grand scale. Let us go to Margaret in Ardsley, New York. Margaret, how are you? Good, Bo. Um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, with the talk about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, mm-hmm. and I think, it's, I think it's a terrible thing. I, I think it's a lot of disrespect to the Catholic Church and to Christian people or to Christians, you know, in, in general. I also can't help wondering if any of those people who started that particular little group were abused by any priests in the Catholic Church because the Church has been hiding people. People were... For decades, children were being abused for decades, and it had it had been hidden. So I think there are question. two sides, two sides to the story, and and, and it, it just comes up in my mind every time I hear about it, because how how could you have that idea of doing such a terrible abusive thing as you know being those sisters of the perpetual indulgence? I mean, like because be, let me just answer that question. Because it is not just Catholicism, it is religion that is under attack, particularly Christianity, because some Christians still believe, well, many, many human beings still believe that there are only two genders. And how dare they? And it goes back to religious beliefs. And so it's not just 
these this one renegade group out there, the entire transgender movement politically is very often opposed to organized religion at all, no matter who it is. Look, you have Muslims that are now coming up and speaking up that some of these that some of this gay literature that's put in the classroom is offensive to them. And they're being treated the same way that, that Christians are being treated. Like you people are homophobic, you're bigoted. Okay, this is a war against God, to be honest with you, against the belief of God and belief in morality in some cases. Don't don't dismiss the fact that part of what's going on with this target thing is that one of the de- one of the designers where people objected to most was an avowed Satanist. Don't discount this stuff because it is visible. This war is not all it seems to be on the surface. On the surface, it's being portrayed as a move toward equality. It is much more than that. It is a move to discredit religious and spiritual bearings in the society. That's what is behind all of this. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. We got to head to a break. When we come back, America's small caffeinated mom will join us. And then on the other side of that, more of your calls. So stay with us. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. W-A-B-C, Talk Radio 77. The Isley Brothers bring us back with this. Iconic song. on the line, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. I love, Nick gave you a new name, America's most caffeinated mom, which I love. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I will try my best to live up to that title. <laughs> yeah, well, you better be careful, of... though. Oh, Rhonda, you got to be careful where you drink your coffee. You do know that, right? 
true. Have you heard what happened wow. in Arizona? No, what happened? Oh, let me read you this story, Randa. <clears throat> Unprovoked Arizona bear mauls, kills man drinking his morning <laughs> coffee. You're laughing at this? A bear. Oh my. Mm. A, a guy was building his house. He took a little coffee break, was eating his coffee. Unprovoked black bear took the guy out. I guess he wanted the coffee. Well, that's Very unfortunate. Terrible, yeah, it's he, terrible. Yeah. Maybe it was decaf. <laughs> and he just couldn't get away. You know what they call decaffeinated coffee? Brown sadness water. And in my experience, that's about right. <laughs> why? Like, why? <laughs> oh, I don't even mess with that stuff. So thank you, Nick. I really, I love that. I love that. You're very welcome. Oh, that's funny. All right, Rhonda, yeah. what is your essay this week about? Oh, well, Father's Day. And, you know, I was listening to what you said about Father's Day, and that really is a shame, James. But I think you're right. Mothers kind of get all the fanfare, and Father's Day sort of gets um, short shrift. And so I'm here to turn that around just a little bit. Uh, fathers are such an important part of society and our families. So I did something different this week. And I, as you know, we have the four, the four sons. I interviewed them. They are in three different states right now, but they all agreed to let me interview them. And I had three questions for them. The first one was, what makes a man a good father? Now, the boys are from ages 13, uh, 33, 33 down to almost 17. So they span uh, a lot of years there. Our oldest son Said, who's working at a rehab facility, he said, integrity, leading by example, not just The second son, who is 29, said, giving your children the tools to deal with reality, doing what's best for them before being their friend. And then he said this, I know I was hard to raise sometimes, and I would have been severely hamstrung if he had tried to be my best friend. I, I just thought that was quite a bit of insight that he needed mm. that strong parental presence before he needed, you know, a friend. Uh, the third son said something profound. He said his own ability to deal with any faults that he has makes mm. a good father. And the youngest one, who is almost 17, he said he teaches them godly morals and is selfish. And then this, he isn't struggling with his own sins that would obstruct and keep him from being a good example. What in the world? At seven, almost 17, I thought that was also profound. So then I asked them how they would describe their relationships with their dad. And our oldest son, um, who had a fractured relationship for a long time, you know his story, he was in the world of drugs and homelessness. This is what he said, pretty great now. We've both been brought to a point of being able to admit where we needed to improve. I see that willingness in dad, and it really helps. I love that. The second one said, um, and he's off in another state. Uh, he said, I know dad is still there supporting me. He's going to answer the phone when I call. He's going to have advice. We still need our parents, even as adults. And he still has a hand on my back. Isn't that a lovely picture of a father's 
kind, uh, pre- loving presence in an adult child's life. Just that mm-hmm. hand of guidance. I, I just love that. And the caboose said, um, I can talk to dad about a lot of things. And since I'm the last one, I feel like he's had more practice. So he knows what to do <laughs> and how to correct me with more understanding. And he's right. Wow. You know, we both have had so much more practice. But for him to be able to identify that, I thought was marvelous. And then the last question I had for them was, what have you learned from dad that you will take forward into your own lives and families? And the oldest son said, integrity, servant leadership, and work ethic. The second one said, uh, the tools to deal with reality, also work ethic, but along with that, the tools to deal with reality, not sugarcoating the way things are going to work. He's always been supportive of what I wanted to do. The third one said um, that your ability to work is your greatest asset and also the difference that character makes in financial management. I thought that was interesting. And then again from the caboose, he said that the best cure for lust or objectification of women is to talk to them. In other words, get to know them. And then he said this, it really helped me. Also, that if you work hard and give your best, eventually you will see the fruit of your labor. I've learned that in the last year with my schoolwork. Wow. So I I know it was solid gold, and I do not ever want people to think that our family has is perfect. These things have not come easy. These relationships and what the boys revealed to me in my interviews uh, – These relationships did not happen by some happy accident. It was the result of a lot of hard work that their father did on himself. And they watched him. They were there during the worst of the times and the best of the times. And he, he did so much work on himself that it built their trust in him, their confidence in him, and it built their relationships to where they're so strong and solid now. And if you can you just imagine that, this quartet of young men going out into the world who have that solid base and solid connection with a wise and loving father. That's amazing, it's, it's, Rhonda. It's amazing. It truly and I want is. people Yes, and I want people to know that they can have that too because if we have made mistakes, we just admit it. We just ask forgiveness, and we do it different. That's what we did, and this is how it looks now down the road. So to all the fathers out there who are doing their best and giving their best and working so hard, I see you. I love you. I respect you. Keep going. Happy Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to you too, James. Thank you, Rhonda. I appreciate that so much. Where can people find the essay, Rhonda? Oh, thedailybs.com. Uh, it's there this morning. And then, of course, I usually put it on my website at rondashrock.com, where the most caffeinated mom in America lives, in cyberspace. Thank you. <laughs> and Thank no, you. none of that brown sadness water. Thank you, Rhonda. No. We appreciate you. <laughs> Okay. We have time for one more call that we'll end up with. And thank you so much, Rhonda. We do appreciate you. Let's see. Tom, Jersey Shore, you've been holding. You get the last word. And Ernest, sorry I couldn't make it, tried you to. Tom, you're up next. Quick. James, James, love the show. Always agree with you. But I'm with Avery on this one with the kitchen stuff. Uh Uh-oh. The women should be... I don't think it's sexist or racist or anything like that. 
uh, you know, I'm a little bit, of, I'm a little bit older than you, and I've learned in my life that um, women are our best friends if you don't objectify them, and if they want to do what they want to do in the kitchen, that's a good thing. My own wife. Got to leave it there. Thank you, my friend. Love you. That's the end of our show today. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you. Thank you so much. Happy Father's Day for all the fathers out there. God willing, we'll be back Monday for Bo Snirley's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock. Thank you. Love, gratitude to each and every one of you and to my marvelous crew. We'll see you later. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.